guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm your host, Abby Williams. Um, I hope everybody had a great long weekend. Um, The fourth felt very different this year for many different reasons in my house. Um, But I hope everybody was able to spend some time with friends and family and that the fireworks didn't keep everybody's kids and animals too crazy. Um, I'm excited because today I am welcoming Lauren Ekstrom. Lauren is here to discuss her experience around pregnancy loss, um, which I think is a really important topic given that one in four pregnancies ends in loss. She also discusses um, navigating new motherhood and postpartum during the time of COVID, which she welcomed her first baby girl this past January 2020, um, a couple days after Fitz was born, actually. Um, So she talks about, you know, navigating this new journey um, in quarantine and how her practice of being a yoga teacher and a certified meditation instructor has helped support her through both her pregnancy loss and now as a first-time mom during COVID. So I'm excited that she's here to talk about these topics with us. Um, She gives us so much insight that I hope a lot of you expecting moms or moms who are further along in your motherhood journey can take away from this episode. Um, If you enjoy this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review as it helps my podcast grow. And be sure to follow Lauren over on Instagram at Lauren Ekstrom or um, her other handle is at Inner Dimension TV. She also has a website, laurenextrom.com and um, innerdimensiontv.com. She's also giving away free yoga and meditation practice to listeners. Um, I'll provide a link. It is her online streaming platform for yoga, meditation, and personal growth. Um, The platform includes her full 40-week prenatal yoga program for expectant mothers, so be sure to check it out. And let's get started. Cheers. So welcome, Lauren. I'm so excited that you're joining me here on the Mimosas with Moms podcast. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm just honored to be a part of your amazing community. um, I am a mindfulness meditation teacher and a yoga teacher and the co-founder of Inner Dimension TV. But I think most importantly, I am a brand new mom uh, to a beautiful five-month-old baby. And congratulations. Thank you so much. And have taken all of my past 18 years of practice and really invested all of that into this journey of pregnancy preparation and motherhood and birth and delivery. Yeah. So tell us about the journey to motherhood. So I think like a lot of women, I had been on hormonal birth control for gosh, 16 years, <laughs> yeah. yeah. which I think I, I went on hormonal birth control pretty soon after my menstrual cycle had started. And I had no pretty men- common. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. We don't even think about these things. And 
what I realized was I had no idea what my regular cycle was like. I started reading all of these incredible books like Woman Code and learning more about the cycle. And I had no idea what my cycle would be like. So knowing that we wanted to get pregnant, knowing that we wanted to try to get pregnant, I wanted to plan and come off of hormonal birth control and give my body time to reset. And so the initial intention was to do six months. I was going to do acupuncture, see a homeopath, a naturopath, and really reset my system. But I think like most people, I, our schedules got busy. We travel all (laughs) over the world and teach and my husband and I teach together and we had a big year of travel. And so we ended up delaying our process to conception another six months or so. And at the time I thought, no big deal. I'll get pregnant really quickly. You know, maybe it'll take a couple of months. And so by the time we started trying it took it took a few months and and yeah. not as long as some people and certainly not an infertility journey but i think i was really surprised that it didn't happen right away right and that it was like so common because i just feel like we don't talk about those struggles you know it's either like oh i'm struggling for a long time and i have to go through the infertility stuff or i get pregnant right away you know like we don't really talk about the in between and as women, I think, you know, we spend so much of our lives, depending, you know, on, on what our lives are like, yeah. trying not to get pregnant. <laughs> and then yeah. you want to get pregnant. And you're like, how do I hit this one window of time that's just yeah. maybe a couple of days? So then I got pregnant and we were so excited. And we ended up telling my family very early on, but on yeah. Christmas. Yeah. And my mom was so excited. My sister was in town. Everyone was crying. It was so beautiful. Yeah. And come February, I got a phone call from the doctor that some of the blood tests had come back. Something was amiss. Yeah. And we went in for some more testing and found out that the baby didn't have a heartbeat. Yeah. And that and how was- far along were you then? I was about um, 14 weeks, 14, 15 weeks, close close to 16 weeks at that point. And and it really caught us off guard. It was, I remember where I was sitting when I got the phone call and the night before we went in, I'm a spiritual person. I, I believe in the in the power of practice. I believe in the power of connection. And um, but I'm not a religious person. I wasn't raised with any kind of structured religion. And that night, I got on the couch and I slept on the couch. Slept. I didn't sleep <laughs> at all. Yeah. And I just turned to this little being inside of me and I prayed. I think for the first time adamantly in my life. And I just turned to this little being and I said, please tell me, you know, please, please tell me what the right thing is to do and what the answer is and what it is that you're needing. Because right now I don't know. And we got to the doctor and they did the ultrasound and the baby no longer had a heartbeat. And I could tell right away from the doctor's face. And On the one hand, I was relieved um, that this little being had heeded the prayer and had made a decision that was right for it. And on the other hand, I was devastated. And we sat in that office and we sobbed and we cried. Yeah. 
And so then did you go through like this grieving process after? Well, and that was a big part of what my husband and I did end up sharing publicly, which was that, you know, one in four pregnancies end in yeah. in a miscarriage or a pregnancy loss, which is a shocking statistic that <laughs> shocking nobody statistic talks because you don't hear about it. Yeah. Nobody talks about it. Right. One in four is a huge number. Huge. I mean, that's a huge number. Nobody talks about it. And we went through a process of, you know, that day, the day that we got the news that the baby had passed, we went on a hike and we went out into nature and we went to our favorite spot in nature and we spent time together. And right away, I could feel that part of me that was like, okay, well, I will, I will get back to work and let's do this and let's plan this. And my husband was the one that really put the brakes on. And in our practice, and in terms of, and, and you know this in the work that you do, yeah. there can be a real tendency to spiritually bypass. And this right. tendency to say, you know what, actually, I'm okay. And let me put on my rose colored glasses and let me move forward and be strong as we yeah. often do as women. And my husband really said, no, we're not going to do that. And this we're going to easier to just like pull up and keep going. You know what I mean? And not um, have to feel what you're feeling. Yeah, it's hard to feel. <laughs> yeah. It, it's so much. And we took a week off, uh, which yeah. was rare for us at the time. We took a full week off to spend that time together, healing and grieving. And from that point, we practiced, I think, a, a level of compassion that is really essential and important. There's a practice in yoga philosophy called Prakti Paksha Bhavana, which is a complicated way of saying when you have a <laughs> negative thought, replace yeah. it with a positive thought. But I like to see that as a practice of yes and, which is that yes, this thing is really hard. And how grateful I am to know that I can get pregnant. Yes, yeah. my this is occurring for us and I have an amazing partner and we're in it together. And we did our work. What an we, amazing tool to just have for all of life. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's, we have to be careful because it's not about putting a silver lining on things. You know, right. it's not about taking away the pain. It's not about taking away the grief. Yeah. Um, it's about acknowledging the pain, letting yourself cry, letting yourself feel everything that you're feeling, and then having the courage and strength to turn to the yes. Yeah. And so that was a lot of our work. And I think, you know, in the end, it was really important to share it with people and to talk about navigating a loss like this, because from the outside, you look at the life that we have, and we have jobs that we love, we have a partnership that we love, we travel yeah. the world, you know, it looks really perfect on right. the outside. Right. And it's so important to say to people, and it's not, and we are human all yeah. the way through and through and things are imperfect, and they're messy, and they're ugly, and they hurt. And this is what we did to move through it, which was really to feel all of it and not so now not that, like you're talking about it more do you feel like more people share their stories mm-hmm. with you and like you see the one in four statistic kind of come out once you start speaking 
Yeah, it's funny as you're speaking, <laughs> I feel myself getting emotional. I feel my yeah. eyes getting watery because one of the most powerful things was my fear in sharing it was opening myself up to other people's sympathy and compassion. I was worried that if I opened myself up to other people's sympathy, that I would break under that, that it would just give me the permission to just fall apart. Yeah. And once we finally did share it, the thing that was really, I think, moving and incredible was my husband's response to it which was that he, I don't think, realized how many people and how many couples had navigated this. And as he sat reading what people shared, he was blown over and he became emotional because it it is so sweeping. Right. And I think like, you know, I just, in so many different episodes or things that I post on like my social media platform, on all these different pockets and things that happen throughout motherhood. All like we want is connection, you know, like this connection and our pain and our joy and just our life experiences. You know, I just think that there's just something so powerful in knowing you're not alone. You're not the only one that's gone through this. And while my experience might be different from your experience, we share some things in this. And so I do, I just like, I think that sharing these messy parts of motherhood is so important. Um, So now how do you guys tie that into your practice? Well, you know, I think the big thing was, it was such the first lesson for me in parenting, which is that nothing is in your control. Yeah. And that, that was powerful for me. I, and, you know, I think now in terms of, of practice, there's so much power in self-disclosing in a way that is supportive and useful for people. And I think it can be easy in this world that we live in now, this social media world to put on a front and, there's a difference between, I think, sharing your mess just to like share your mess. Yeah. Um, you know, there's that isn't vulnerability right. to me. But when you've navigated something and you've seen your way, I'm not even going to say to the other side, because I think that when it comes to grief and loss in any capacity, that's always there. It doesn't go away. We just build a new relationship to it. So in in something like this, in terms of, of being a teacher and holding space, knowing that the hardest parts of my life mm-hmm. hold the biggest opportunities for deepening that connection, which is what brought me to the practice in the first place. It was a place of community. It was a place of connection. It was a place of you know, being able to see people day in and day out and having those familiar faces. And if connection is what brings you to the practice, then we have to keep sharing things that that deepen that connection, like you said, which is not everything that's going right in life. Right, right. I totally agree. So after you were able to kind of grieve the loss, how long did it take you guys to start trying again? Well, and you know what, in a way that was the hardest part. Yeah. 
because I recovered really quickly. I had a I had a very swift recovery and I was ready. I was ready to start trying again right away. And my period didn't come back. Yeah. And no, no one talked about that. Right. You know, the doctor was like, oh, okay, well, you know, your cycle should start up again in about four to six weeks. And four weeks went by, six weeks went by, and I was on an eight day silent meditation retreat, yeah. which was such an interesting experience because the whole <laughs> retreat, I was like, I need my to tell somebody about this. <laughs> I was like, my, I'm my, you know, I'm so attached to this cycle starting up again and being able to try again and it didn't come. And then eight weeks went by and it yeah. didn't come. And then 12 weeks went by and that was really hard. And it felt like an extension of the grieving process. Yeah. It was like, not only have I spent this year getting my body ready, then I'm finally ready and I get pregnant and then I lose this baby. And now you're going to tell me that I have to wait even longer. And it's like another body loss almost. It, that's exactly what it felt like. And I ended up talking to a spiritual intuitive, yeah. which was really interesting, something I hadn't done before. Yeah. And someone who communicated with um, spirit babies. So she was a clairvoyant. Yeah. And she said, you know, there's something with this, this life that you called in, you have to let it go. And that was really hard having to, I had spent so much time calling in this little life very specifically. I'd been so clear with calling in a teacher. I had been so clear with calling in a spirit that was an old spirit that was here to teach lessons. And I had to really say goodbye to what that vision was. And as soon as I did, my cycle came back. We went on a trip. We went to Portugal and I got back. And a couple weeks later, I did not think I was pregnant at all. Yeah. I went to the refrigerator. I wanted peanut butter. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> this is strange. <laughs> this is strange. Why do I want apples and peanut butter? Yeah. And um, and ended up finding out that I was pregnant again. But it completely took me by surprise because yeah. at that time, it happened very quickly. It happened yeah. the first time we tried. Yeah. And then now, you know, getting pregnant after loss were you nervous throughout your pregnancy? Oh my God. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the whole time was, I, I worked with a practice of midwives here based in Los Angeles yeah. that work with UCLA. The UCLA uh, center here has the only hospital based midwifery practice in Los Angeles, which yeah. is so amazing. But every time we would go in, you know, just dying to hear that Doppler and the heartbeat, nervous every single time recording the heartbeat yeah. on my voice memos, um, you know, really having to work with trust. Yeah. That was a big part of it, yeah. really having to work with trust and letting go. And she just kept proving to me again and again and again that she had her own mission to come into this world because I got kidney stones, actually, <laughs> which was horrific yeah, during pregnancy. We had been on like six planes in seven days, something terrible. I was about 24 weeks pregnant and ended up in the hospital with kidney stones. And she just kept chugging right along yeah. her heart just beating never skipped a beat yeah. strong as ever and finally at that point I was like okay this little girl has got a mission yeah. and there is no way I can get in the way of it yeah and so that kind of calmed you down a little bit 
Yeah, it gave me a real deep trust in her that I was not going to impede whatever it was she was coming (laughs) here to do. And now she has come into the world in like one of the craziest years there probably has ever been. I mean, and here you are welcoming yourself into motherhood in the middle of a pandemic. The world is crazy. How are you doing? It's a completely different world. I mean, the powerful thing was that her due date was actually right around the time that we lost our first baby. Yeah. So there was this beautiful synchronicity there. And then she ended up surprising us, of course, and she came two and a half weeks early. And As I hit my six-week mark, so I went to my six-week appointment, I got the sign-off, I could start going back to yoga classes, I could start doing things again. That was the day that the quarantine started in Los Angeles. So you must have had your baby right around the same time I had my baby. She was born January 28th. Fitz was born January 24th. Oh, congratulations. (laughs) Yeah, so... I'm trying to think. I'm like, I went to my six-week appointment. Yeah, maybe like two weeks before. Like we got the you know, notice that we were locking it down and everything went crazy. And he's my fourth baby. So I felt oh, like wow. finally like I knew what I was doing. I was gonna have like this great postpartum. I have my support system in place, and then it all went away. <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> so yeah, you probably, but like, so people were able to be there when you had your daughter. Well, because she was early. So I, my plan is to have one because yeah. I have two, I have two stepchildren. Yeah. And so we feel like, you know, three this is, is probably <laughs> three is good. So this is probably it for us. Yeah. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to do the postpartum doula. I'm going to do all these things and gift myself this time. But because she was early, my postpartum doula was actually out of town and couldn't be present. And then she got the flu, which now looking back, you know, we think might have, could have been COVID. Um, So I didn't have my postpartum doula. Um, That didn't happen. So I didn't have that support that I was really looking forward to and planning on. And then as I sort of hit this phase of kind of coming out of the the muck of it, um, I couldn't go do any of the things for self-care that I would have done. I couldn't walk to the yoga studio near me. I couldn't see my mom for several weeks. I couldn't see my friends. I couldn't see anybody. And that was deeply challenging in terms of just the the self-care piece. Which is very, very big for new moms. And like your postpartum, your mental health, you know, the finding those things that you can connect with yourself on, you know, because you're welcoming this new person into your home, but you're also now a new person. And so how, how have you been doing mentally? Well, I think the biggest miss in that is the connection with other new moms, you know, that we're not going to mommy and me classes. I'm not going to postnatal yoga classes. I'm not getting that in-person connection with other brand new moms where you get the affirmation, hey, you're not the only one that's not (laughs) sleeping through the night. Those online courses that say your baby should be sleeping eight weeks, eight, uh, eight hours by eight weeks. 
it's not doesn't it that's not true <laughs> you know and four so babies it's never happened <laughs> when does it happen <laughs> yeah it's been different for each one i'm like my third child didn't sleep like more than three hours a night until she was 14 months old i'm like i wish i would have gotten help with her <laughs> i wish i would have like called in help now i know better but oh. It's hard. Yeah, and that's been, it's hard. And I think that that's been one of the biggest misses. Luckily, you know, there we have text messages and we have yeah. technology and we can do Face those side. things and stay yeah. connected. Yeah. But it is not the same as being in person with people. And that's what so much of the research says, right? Is that as much as you and I can see each other, because we're not in person, we don't get the oxytocin. We don't get the hormones that you get when you're with someone in person. Yeah. And so that piece of it has really been missed. Um, but it, it's been... A deep act of self-care to reach out yeah. and not let things uh, get too tenuous yeah. and make sure that I'm making the phone call to a friend before yeah. the breakdown happens or when the breakdown happens. Yeah. And that's been a really important piece of it. And then having a husband who's an incredible support system, who's like, I got her, get out of the house for two hours, even <laughs> if all you do is just drive around. You know, you have to. <laughs> You need a change of scenery. Are you doing your yoga and your practice at home? So that's been one of the foundational grounding pieces from the week she was born. I mean, yeah. the day that we got home, he said, go meditate. Yeah. And so from the day that she was born, we've carved out time every single day for me to have my sitting practice. And then what we started doing was we actually put the house on a schedule, yeah. which has been really helpful. It was his idea and it's yeah. taped up onto the refrigerator. And so from this time to this time, he has office hours from this time to this time I meditate and do yoga. Yeah. And so making sure that he has the morning when he does yoga in his practice and having the house actually on a timed out schedule that will revolve around her naps and her needs accordingly right. has made a big difference so that our practices as a shared unit are guaranteed every single day. And that's unquestioning. I don't practice for 90 minutes, but I will get on my mat for 20 to 30 minutes every single day. And I sit and I meditate every single day. And probably having like that scheduled so that there's clear expectations and, you know, you can't just sit in the office and work all day. You have to come out at this time because then it's my turn is probably mm -hmm. very beneficial to have as well. Um, mm -hmm. So what are some tips and advice you think that you have for postpartuming moms during this time? I think as moms start to head into this phase, especially if they've been pregnant during COVID and, and this period of time, in some ways that's an advantage because yeah. they know what the isolation is like. And now I was just seeing something that we've got 23 states that are spiking again. And I don't think it's beyond reason that some of us are going to see maybe some more stay-at-home orders put into place. And yeah. so I think knowing that making a list for yourself before 
before you go into your last trimester of pregnancy of what are the things that really nourish you? What are the phone calls? Who are the people that are your go-to when you're really needing a touchstone of support? Communication is absolutely the biggest piece of it, working on communication with your partner and making sure that you're ready to have some of the hard conversations and be vulnerable. I think too many people, I hear this in, in so many situations, and it makes me really sad, although I feel sorry for my husband because I <laughs> I say everything that's on my mind and on my heart. Yeah. But I see too many women trying to be strong, trying to be a version of strong and not say what they need or not really say what they're feeling. And I think start practicing having some of those really hard conversations now. Let yourself be vulnerable. Let yourself connect in that way. But I know for myself, having a piece of paper, and I did this in my postpartum binder that listed out, like, here are the five moms who are delivering around my time or just before me who I feel a connection with. Here are five other moms who inspire me, who are parents of older kids that if I need to run something by or I have a question, I can go to them. Here are five things that really bring me back to myself, going on a hike, walking in my neighborhood, getting in touch with nature, going on a drive, um, making sure that my practice was allocated for. So reminding myself to practice. And I think that that is really going to be the foundation for women going into a postpartum phase, given some level of isolation, where they're going to be able to enact effective self-care. Lauren, I think that you're like way ahead of the game. I do because I'm just like, you know, I think what you said about speaking up about what you're feeling and what you're going through early is not only going to help you right now, but it's going to prevent a lot of that mom burnout that we get later on, you know, Mm -hmm. and the resentment that kind of starts coming into your relationship, you know, it's very hard on marriages at times. Um, Sometimes you have these feelings towards your children and then you get the mom guilt associated with that. So I think that really being able to recognize your feelings, practice, do your self-care, you know, find some grounding is really, really setting you up for so much success as they get older because it doesn't get easier. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm like, it's just, I think that as they get older, like, it's just, different problems. You know, it might not be sleep, but it's going to be something else. Um, and you're the second person to say yeah. that to me. One, one, one was a dad of one of yeah. my best friends. And I think I wish I had really heard that. Yeah. I, and, and to let people who are listening, let that land because as it got harder actually, and part of that was due to COVID, but as month three came and month four came and it didn't feel like it was getting easier, but in fact, it was getting harder. <laughs> Cause was, now you're not sleeping all day and you can't just like, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> was shocking to me. And then when they start I, moving I, and you're like, wait, where yeah. they go? <laughs> I did not have a a real breakdown until I realized I thought, oh, I'll hit month three and then I'll be home free. And then the end of month three came and it was like, no, you are not home free, girlfriend. I don't think that we're going to be home free until they're like married. (laughs) (laughs) 
until they're like somebody else's problem. I'm just like, I don't know. I'm like, my oldest just turned 10 over the weekend and he's like very self-sufficient. But then you're like, oh my gosh, the teenage years are right around the corner and I got to like be ahead of the game. He's like, you know, on his tablet more. And I'm like, what are you watching on YouTube? And I'm freaking out, you know? So it's like, it just becomes bigger problems that you're worried about instead of sleep and, you know, mm-hmm. well, their poop looks weird. Yeah. <laughs> are they, you know, it's not these kind of problems, it's bigger problems. And you're like, oh my gosh. So it never ends. But, no. but, you know, but I think that having this open communication, this dialogue with your partner, you know, reaching out and finding that support system is so important. Um so yeah, what are things looking like in California right now? Are you guys opening back up or are you guys still pretty locked down? Well, so things are opening back up, but I saw also today that we are actually leading in the spiked cases um, for states. So it would not actually fully surprise me if we went back into a lockdown. I'll be interested to see yeah. what's going to happen. Um I'm not I'm not holding my breath for a return to how things used to be in any sense of the capacity. And I think this is part of the practice in terms of any kind of mindfulness practice, which parenthood is so benefited by, which is embracing uncertainty and helping us embrace that uncertainty. Because I I don't I don't know what's going to happen here or really anywhere for the next couple of months. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's probably everywhere. I'm in Ohio and I feel like COVID never happened right now is how we're kind of going about life as if nothing ever happened and everything's open. You can go to the pool, you can go to the playground, you know, you can go to a wedding reception with 300 people. And I'm like, this is pretty bonkers. (laughs) How did we go from you couldn't see anybody and you were locked down in your home and, you know, everything was crazy to now it's just like back, back to life. I don't know. So I was talking to my pediatrician about it when I took uh, Fitz to his four month um, well check. She was like, we might get through the summer and like be okay since it's hot. But I think like in the fall when flu season comes, we'll see another wave like, course when they're back at school like I need you guys to go back to school (laughs) but yeah so Lauren tell um, my listeners where they can find you oh you can find me on social media at Lauren Ekstrom and you can find me online at innerdimensiontv.com yeah Lauren thank you so much for joining us Uh, make sure that you go give Lauren a follow and cheers to some mindfulness parenting Yes, thank you so much for having me. And it's an honor to be a part of your beautiful community. Thank you. Thanks.